Welcome to Switchfoot Song Stories, a fan-run and operated podcast, not affiliated with Switchfoot. To the Switchfoot fan base across the globe, welcome to another Song Stories podcast. I'm your host, Tyler D. Smith, and I am thrilled to be joined today by another artist who spent lots of time touring with Switchfoot years ago, Aswan North, lead singer of Paper Tongues. And I was also thrilled to find out in this conversation, Paper Tongues is about to make a comeback. Cannot wait for that. I've been a massive Paper Tongues fan for years. They had singles on mainstream radio like Ride to California and singles on Air One like the song Trinity. And I think Aswan is a crazy talented individual. Can't wait for you to hear our chat. And today the song we're diving into, Switchfoot's masterpiece called 24. Aswan, it is so great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, man. I'm pretty humbled. So allow me to be a fan for a moment. Um, I absolutely love Paper Tongues. I've never stopped loving Paper Tongues. So thank you for all those great songs over the years, first and foremost. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I grew up in Indiana, and that's where I am now. But there was uh, about a three-and-a-half-year stretch where I lived in Jacksonville, Florida. And when I moved to Florida, the very next day, there was a big music festival. Um, I think it was at Met Park. I think that's what it was called, <laughs> right, right outside the Jaguar Stadium. And a, oh. ton of, a ton of bands were there, but most notably for me was Amberlin, Paper Tongues, and Switchfoot. So for me, such yes. a great memory because I had just moved. And it's like the next night, and it was really cool. Um, I know for, for you guys, though, that was one of many nights where you were either kind of around Switchfoot or I, I believe you did a full tour with them in 2010. Um, but what are your memories from, from that tour or other dates with Switchfoot over the years? Yeah, actually. Um, so describe the venue a little bit. Was it an outdoor or an indoor venue? Because I think I can remember both of those moments in Florida, especially Jacksonville. Yeah, that was an outdoor. There was like two stages. It was yep. kind of cool how they did it where they when one stage was done, the next one started. Oh, dude, and that's actually right an epic Jaguars. story. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember that day. That was an epic moment, uh, honestly, in our band's career because um, Switchfoot had taken us on tour. So was that 2010 or 2011? That was 2010. Okay, that was towards the end of 2010. Was that like maybe like after September or? Yeah, you I know think the it month? was. I believe it was. Uh, it was either the very last day of November or the first day of December. Yeah, there you go. Okay, because yeah. we were still able to go outside and just get loose. And I remember it was. It wasn't cold, but there was enough of a breeze that I was down to wear my leather coat. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, dude, that's actually a crazy day. It's, it's random maybe maybe not random that you brought that up um okay but so let me go back to that day that you brought up because here you move from indiana you go to jacksonville um jacksonville has always been a game changer uh for paper tongues first and foremost and switchfoot was the was probably the number two game changer in our career the first game changer was flyleaf but the second game changer when it came to doing live shows and touring was switchfoot and switchfoot agreed to take us on pretty much a three-month run and let us do direct support opening. So we went all over America, all over Canada, thanks to them. And um, I, I guess we did pretty good on our first month. Thus, they allowed us to go on to the second and the third month. It was such a cool season in our life because for everybody in my band, Switchfoot meant so much. Um, we were all coming from a similar place um, in the church, which is not like like some epic big story it's just that in our own personal lives we knew that switchfoot had first started out as a christian band and mm -hmm. that the band themselves uh i think john foreman his brother their, their dad was a pastor yeah and you know switchfoot is a style of surfing and so that word in itself was very cool and for anybody in the church you know hearing their music in the very beginning before they ever crossed over with that movie a walk to remember it was everything to hear their music to hear their style, to see them go against the grain, um, to do what a very famous band like DC Talk had done, introduce a new sound to churchgoers, not just to them, but also to everybody in mainstream that was shopping at Walmart or Kmart, Roses, Best Buy, Target. So they were their own thing, and they couldn't be put in a box. You could try to call them Christian, but they weren't. You could try to call them mainstream, but they weren't. 
they were something very special because they had a new sound. Mm-hmm. So on the day that you brought up in Jacksonville, Florida, it was epic to us because we had already done a three-month run earlier um, in the year. Actually, 20, uh, 2009, uh, leading into 2010, we had been with Switchfoot. And we had been all over the country. We had been all over Canada. And they were letting us open. And we were nobodies. We had an RV when we started out. And from the RV, we then moved to a tour bus. Um, of course, a bunch of us in the band at Paper Tongues had been in 15 passengers. I had been using 15 passenger vans, Ford vans, for like nine years. And so we had paid a big price to be out there doing live music. But to them being in an RV openings for Switchfoot was a dream come true. And for them to like give us the the blessing to go open for them like direct support in all their venues in America and Canada. It was, it was a dream come true because I met them on uh, oh gosh, it was a crazy day in 2001. I was in a, I was in a youth pastor at a church in Loganville, Georgia. And I had, I'd been asked to come over to one of the kids house where all the other youth group was going to be. And the parents were playing this movie called A Walk to Remember. And they were like, dude, you should come over because you're the youth pastor. We can have a bunch of fun. We're going to have food. We're gonna, we got a swimming pool in the backyard. And we're going to watch this movie called A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore. And I just was like, okay, let's do it. I didn't even know what I was doing. I show up. What got my attention, what I couldn't forget in that movie was um, Dare You to Breathe. I'm sorry, Dare You to Move. Yeah, Dare You to Move. Oh, my gosh. And for Mandy Moore in the movie, if you watch it and watch her character and what she's going through and she's facing death, you know, dare you to move. That song hit and there was nothing like it. I had heard nothing like it before then. I haven't heard anything like it after then. It is still one of those rare songs that's timeless. It's classic. It's universal. It can be played anywhere in the world. And even though it's embedded in rock, it'll touch every genre. He's got an incredible, the band's got an incredible pop lyric, an incredible pop melody. The guitars soar. They could fill a stadium. It just fulfilled so much of who I was at that time as a youth pastor, not even knowing that I was later going to end up playing in a rock band and going around touring the world and, and having a number one at Billboard. I had no clue. So this was way ahead of my time, but the band got my attention. And when I heard the music, I was so shocked. I was like, okay, I got to go find it. I couldn't find it in a regular music store. This is back in the day when you could go to a, a mall and there'd be a music store in the mall with tons of CDs and records. And you could go search for them and I couldn't find them. So I had to go to a Christian bookstore book in Charlotte, North Carolina, just to find Switchfoot to be able to hear that song, Dare You to Move. Hmm. And um, I got to hear the earlier Christian stuff. And then I got to hear their new stuff on Walk to Remember. Game was over, bro. I was addicted. I was addicted to that album. I felt like the beautiful letdown. I heard it before it ever came out because I heard it, you know, heard the music through that movie. And then, of course, later on, they went and put out Beautiful Letdown, and the rest is history. They sold, they sold 4 million records, and the whole world knew their name. So, yeah. just, so, so that day that you met me was tough because the radio stations were having Switchfoot go on before a bunch of us bands that were new. We were all newbies. None of us had sold 4 million records. I hadn't even sold 25,000 records at that point. But we had a massive draw live by the time that festival that you talked about in Jacksonville, Florida, came about. So we had such a pool in Jacksonville specifically that the promoters at the radio station put us in a category in the lineup that was way more respect and prestige that we deserved. And, and that's just, I'm a business guy. So just knowing that, I understand how festivals go because I own a couple festivals now, but it was really tough for me back then to stomach that Switchfoot was going to go on before any of us bands. And it was only because the market demanded it. Now, I didn't understand that. I didn't know that. This wasn't their biggest market, but they were willing to come and play it. What I had a hard time with was going out on that stage that day after Switchfoot. I wanted to go before Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. And, but the cool thing is, is they had a crazy mega crowd, just like I told the radio station they were going to have, just like the rest of us bands had. But they had it, too. It's just the nature of the beast. There's politics that get involved. They try to guess on numbers. They try to understand what the out outcome's going to look like. But I, at least I was right. I was like, kidding me? Switchfoot's going to have so many freaking fans run from the other <laughs> side of the field on that stage to this side. You're going to lose your brains, and you've made a mistake. The lineup is wrong. And I, I was under a contract. I remember I was tell, calling my management saying, I ain't going on this stage. I'm not going to go on this stage and play after Switchfoot. Are you kidding me? They took us out for three months put us on tour, changed our lives, told us what scripture they used to pray when they traveled from city to city. 
how they stay united as a band, how they don't break apart, fall apart. They've given us so many tips to help us for our longevity. How could I ever try to go out and play after a band that has sold 4 million units and we ain't even sold 50,000 units. And the cool thing is, is the crowds came out, supported Switchfoot, supported all the bands, and we had a great show. My attorneys called me during that day and said, Aswan, get your butt on the freaking stage at your time because you're under contract and you are not going to create a nightmare for us. Deal with all that other stuff that you're feeling later. And of course, you have to be in business. You can't just be an artist. But that was an epic day in my life because I was having a really hard time. But John, man, he's so humble. He and his brother, Drew, all the guys – they're so humble. Um, he brought it full circle. Later that evening, we had to go back out in front of a camera and play a cover song while they were doing change out between the big bands. I think My Chemical Romance and the Black Keys were going to close. And there was by that time, there was more. There was 18 at about 8,000, actually, when we were playing during the day, all of us bands, Switchfoot, everybody. But at night, there was like 16,000 fans there. And here we are all doing acoustic sets and I see John walking by while we're getting ready. And I'm like, dude, would you come up and please play with us on our acoustic set? I just want to do something with you. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I got a harmonica. I was like, dude, bring your harmonica, please. He's like, okay. So he literally comes up around the corner and the only harmonica that he has in his pocket is in the key of D. And that's exactly the key we're using. We're using dad gag to play a cover song on proud Mary from CCR. (laughs) And this dude happens to have the key of D harmonica in his pocket. This dude's just a walking, breathing artist, musician, <laughs> if you ever met one. And so I could send you the link, by the way, so you could watch this. We do a cover of Proud Mary featuring John Foreman on harmonica to end out the night. And it was the only thing that brought me peace and solace that this business, the radio station, this group had messed up the lineup. And we went out of turn after Switchfoot when we should have been opening and a bunch of us bands should have been opening for Switchfoot. Big wheels will keep on turning Oh, and the proud Mary keeps on burning Rolling, oh yeah, rolling Oh yeah, rolling on the river Rolling, oh yeah, rolling Oh yeah, rolling on the river Thank you so much. Give it up for John Foreman on the Hot So it was an epic day in my life, man. And I'll never forget that cover because I hated playing covers because I never felt like I could do it justice to the original act. I'm a real fan of great music, but I did the cover to honor the radio station. And it was a great moment, um, a great move to make that. They were right. That's what the fans needed. They needed to hear Proud Mary. They needed to hear the last verse and they needed to see John Foreman getting loose on that harmonica. So crazy, crazy moment you just brought up. Yeah, that that is crazy. (laughs) I, I never dreamed the connection that we would have there. Um, but that, that's amazing. I, I was going to mention actually one of my questions. Um, we like to ask musicians on the show that if you were to be on stage with John and, and you could pick, um, you know, a song that is one of theirs and one of yours, what would you do? Because I know you, I think you um, helped them sing Dark Horses, if I remember right, at one point, and then obviously the Proud <laughs> Mary cover. But let's say in this case, it's your, com- your complete choice, one song of theirs, and then they get to sing one of Paper Tongues. Um, what two are you picking? Well, 100% for their song, it would be 24 24 oceans dude I, I could just go on and on that song from switchfoot means so much to me because i knew that he wrote that at least partly from the scripture i know a believer when i see him and i also know a poet and an artist when i see him and he's he's every bit of that and he wrote that from an incredible revelation and this is not me asking him i've never asked him that but i already know that i can tell that as a writer as a producer myself a mixer but also as a lyricist, I can tell you listening to that song, this guy wrote this from a position of revelation that he had with God. There is no mm-hmm. other way. That's because yeah. it it's just too good. It's as, as a believer in Christ, just, you know, for me, my dad's Muslim. I'm Christian. I got no disrespect for anybody's religion. It's real simple. And ain't nobody hating on me and my family. We just, we chose our place and where our faith hit is where it hit. And for me, mm-hmm. it was Christ. And that connection that I have to John Foreman, to the whole band, Switchfoot, it's above and beyond just a fan loving music. There is a a statement of faith and he stamped that in 24. So if I ever got to choose a song that I could do with him live and on stage, as much as dare you to move 
brought me into the fold of being a fan of the band, it would be 24, which made me a lifer forever. Like it's mm-hmm. a cult classic for me. It, it deeply impacted my faith, my walk, um, my hope, confidence. It did a lot for me because I put a lot in music and I take a lot from it. And so I took a lot from that song. So for Switchfoot, it would be 24. For Paper Tongues, huh. Thinking of John Foreman's voice, thinking of the band and their sound. Uh, honestly, if it was a cover, it would be sabotaged by the Beastie Boys because I've been doing tons of festivals. I'd done tours with Switchfoot. And then I don't know when this was. I think this was in Charlotte, North Carolina um, at Rockingham um, at an old school racetrack. But big old festival happened out there. And these dudes come on the stage at Switchfoot and they open up the set with a cover of <laughs> Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Oh! Epic. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. It just slays a dragon. Slays a dragon. And so if I got to do a cover with them, I'd want to do Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. But um, if they did a Paper Tongue song, you know, I'm in the middle right now of negotiating some pretty big deals for Paper Tongues. And we've been asked since 2020 COVID era to come back and get back on tour and I guess they think that I still look young and on to why am I not doing music, but I've been producing and writing in the studio and I've loved it. It's my life. I'd rather be in the studio than be on tour, but I'd also rather give out hope than be doing something selfish. And so being out in the air and being out playing shows matters more than me getting what I want. And so I'm like getting ready to come back with paper tongues. It would probably be a new song. It'd probably be daylight. I'd probably just ask John Foreman to see the hook, sing the hook. And I'll send you that song so you can listen to it. It'll be a sneak peek. It's a demo, so you're not going to get too much, but you'll get enough of the demo to understand the song, but it's called Daylight. Nice. And um, I would probably ask him to sing that because I'm kind of a in-the-moment type of a guy. If I had to go back old school and tap back into, you know, 08, 2011 era, um, I think the song that would make the most sense to do with John Foreman would have been Get Higher. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, if I'd have been thinking about like a hip hop way to do like features and like really getting it in and, and, and honestly, 2022, where the world has come full circle, where now people do features all the time, whether it's country, pop, rock, hip hop, R&B, you know, outlaw country, whatever, I would have I would have wished I could have been smart enough to say, yo, we're on tour of Switchfoot. I need to go ask him one afternoon at lunch if he would just do a new single release and a feature where he sings the hook and maybe takes verse one of Get Higher. It would have changed our stars. And so yeah. I would do that just for the pure pleasure of the fans that we kind of share. And, and I say I share a little bit of his coats with his fans. Um, but that, that, that's what I would say if it were an actual old school paper tongue song versus a new school. Yeah, that, when I was thinking about it, I was kind of thinking about maybe Get Higher or I think he would sound good on What If. I think he would sound good on Do mm. I Am. Mm. Do I Am would be a good one. So, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. But – I love, you know, hearing that and just the fact that, you know, there's even a chance of you making more music because I'm like, man, I, I miss those guys so much. Just some of, um, which you don't have to share this if you don't want, but like some of, I think some of your best songs are not on Spotify right now that I've heard over the years. So I'm like, <laughs> man, I got to get those back on there. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I was very young and green to understand the difference of a platform for the fans versus a a business model that the labels and the distributors and publishers were using that weren't honoring the the percentages of us creators. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm sure you remember the famous fight that Taylor Swift was in against Spotify where she boycotted Spotify. Yeah. Unfortunately for little minions like myself and our band, I took the same stance and it's even worse for us because we don't have that platform nor that notoriety nor her success to even compare to take such a big stance against such a huge machine when really ultimately it's always going to be about the fans. It's always going to be about who's pumping gas at circle K Seven Eleven, quick trip racetrack. It's going to be, you know, who's pumping gas, who's listening. And I couldn't fully give in to that fight the right way in the beginning. I'm there now, but it, you know, years have gone by. And so I, I understand it. But back then I wished I would have known, Hey man, you got to let these songs go to Spotify. You got to let these songs get on RDO. You got to let them be on Amazon Music, on YouTube. And mm-hmm. so I actually agree with you. We're in the middle of doing that right now. We're, we're putting together a collection of songs, um, incredible masters that I, thankfully, you know, I own and, and have the power to control. Thanks to Universal reaching a really great agreement with me. And we're going to release them. And the fun Love part it. is 
is we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be reduced to just doing alternative rock. I came up in the church, which means I learned a lot of genres. I learned a lot of different styles. And from guys like Switchfoot to, you know, all the way over to POD and then, you know, backtrack and go all the way over to country music or Freaky Skaggs and or Jeff, Jeffrey Steele's or Love for a lot of genres. Um, even as a fan for to Al Green going back to the 70s and some early releases and um, I, it doesn't stop from Michael Bolton to Aretha Franklin. We're like, you know what? Here's the era we live in. Just put out good music. Honor yeah. everybody. Just give the best of your talents and your gifts. Get past the machine and remember that the people are first. And if it matters, it'll matter to them. And then you can deal with the machine on the back end. And so that's kind yeah. of our attitude now. We're, we're, we're going to put the music out, man. And it's funny you even bring up who I am. You better believe John Foreman would sound like a beast. At oh, least yeah. I don't know if he would think that. I would hope that. He, but he would sound like a beast on a song like that. And we were writing that more so for like a Selena Gomez or, you know, somebody in that caliber. And of course, I put my vocal on it and um, we just kind of sneak released it. We never gave it an official release. Um, but the fact that you even bring that up, that's a genius idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that was that was far before some of the songs that kind of bit the pattern of who I am, who I am, who I am. Um, I, I was inspired by Switchfoot to help state that in writing and music so it's cool you brought it up nice that is cool one of my favorite uh paper tongues lyrics from the past would be i try to live my life for the people who need to come back and so i i obviously gravitate towards bands and artists that use their music for good like if you sound good you're good live you have lyrics that mean something you know that's what i go for and so you know your band was of course that and more and i think we can both agree that you know switch in that category um I, I think those are guys that try to live their lives for people that need to come back too yeah, you know, they're transparent. And um, some folks don't like transparency, especially uh, with artists. You know, they don't want to know the full truth behind everything. They don't want to know everybody's story. But I'll be really honest with you. Uh, Switchfoot's one of the rare bands of our era that they tell the truth. They tell all the stories. Um, it's kind of shocking, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, there's a bunch of bands that we could say beyond Switchfoot that do that job. Um, they're just one. I will say though, if there was ever to be a tip of a spear, I don't know many other bands who do that job that would ever argue that Switchfoot is the tip of the spear because they went further than the bands that had came before them, especially the way wh whoever thought of the genius idea to walk to remember, whoever mm -hmm. thought of that, bro. Oh my God. Cause it caught everybody off guard. And of course it was the launch of Mandy Moore's career as an actress, Yeah, you know, and this is way before her big TV show, you know, the blockbuster hit. So um, it, they are the tip of the spear of bands that bring hope back, bands that are there for people that are trying to get a second chance. That are And, and John Foreman himself as an individual with all his solo projects as well, he is a transparent soul that will kind of like let you see the mud and the river of who he is. And that's mm -hmm. rare. It's rare yeah. in his writing. It's rare as a person, but they do it. So they're, they're, to me, they're the tip of the spear. So the song itself, the song 24, final track off Beautiful Letdown album, plenty of songs you could have chosen to discuss as the podcast <laughs> is so pretty new. And you touched on it a little bit, but um, maybe expand even further. Why did you pick specifically 24? Well, I'll give you this lyric from the song. And you're raising the dead in me. Oh, oh, oh. I am the second man. Oh, yeah, I mean, just... I am the second man now. Oh, I, I'm just playing around, just kind of <laughs> getting in. But that, that I don't know, man. Listen, um, I know and I don't know because I have to first give you that was the thing that came out of my mouth um, when I saw the question for this interview. What would be that song? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you something really secret that only my band knows. Nobody, well, outside of Cat Collins one of my favorite men at American, modern American radio that can take your song and make it gold and take you to hit status that would travel around with us in Tahoe's at radio stations all over America for, on behalf of Universal and help break us. Um, I'm going to tell you a secret that only he witnessed outside of my band. Um, even our wives, our girlfriends, our kids, they never saw this. Only Kat saw it. But when we got ready to go into the morning drive radio station interview or the afternoon drive, we would have to do a warm up because we were very focused about giving a good vocal. And the song that we warmed up to was 24. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. Even when I was doing my, 
you know, doing all I get, I don't even want to get into all the technical stuff that we got to do. That's actually a job about being an artist. It's not just fun. And, you know, it's not just the playing games. It's also the, the, the working factory. There's jobs we have to do to keep our instruments taken care of, um, keep them healthy, keep them well. And part of it's your vocal warm ups and your warm downs. And we warmed up to 24. It was because John sang it in a tone that I could connect to really fast. It was because I could connect in my heart. I could connect as an entertainer, as a performer. I could connect as a spiritual being to that lyric. My God, I could connect to the hook, even though it wasn't what radio wanted or gravitated towards. If radio had a different level of format, it would have been a number one hit. But I know that the, 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 the direction of what a hit is at radio is controlled by majority of people who do not write songs, who do not play for a live audience. Mm-hmm. However, they read math and they kind of figure out science and algorithms. However, if radio format had been built by artists, by poets, by writers, by creators of sound, 24 is a number one hit, yeah. hands down. And so it was easy to warm up to it. It was easy to get ready for a radio interview that had nothing to do with 24, but because it touched me scripturally, it touched me, it touched me spiritually, it touched me artistically, production-wise. Everything about it touched me. John Fields, God bless him, beast producer who produced this album, Beautiful Letdown. Everything about this work touched me. And so it was the song of choice um, to get ready. So when you asked the question, I was like, easy. <laughs> the song that I sang like every freaking week of my life for three years on tour, three to five years on tour, 24. I used it to get warmed up and get ready for whatever I was about to face for the public audience. Man, so cool. I'm so glad I wasn't taken before you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's so cool. After this podcast, make sure to check out Tyler's book, Searching for Seven, The Journey of Seeking God Seven Days a Week. It is filled with stories in scripture. It's an easy read with short chapters, but it's also thought-provoking and encouraging at the same time. The book takes readers on a journey, helping us search for God and for our faith, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or head to the book's website, searchingforseven.com. Yeah, so my story with the song, I had a friend, I think it was in college, and he was uh, sharing his faith with somebody and he talked about how um, meant to live he said it's like that switch with song we're meant to live for more than this and so when Ooh. he said that I was like oh are they are they Christian he said yeah so I went to Walmart bought the album and of course you remember meant to live is the first track so I put the yeah. CD put the CD in my car I listen I rock out to the first one then the the baseline of this is your life comes on and I'm immediately hooked like I immediately fall in love with the band after those two songs but I'm just sitting there in my car. I listen to the full thing front to back. I, I'm, I'm loving all of it. But I kid you not, when it gets to the end and I heard 24 for the first time, that was it. I mean, that was <laughs> like I, I decided in my car, like uh, like a 93 Eagle Talent, I think it was. Mm. I decided in my car in that moment when 24 was playing, this is my new favorite band. I was Bro, blown away. You have blown to. Away. Hold on. Did you just say a 93 Eagle Talon? I have yes. never met another person <laughs> on planet Earth that has owned an Eagle Talon other than me. I oh, owned, you own I one owned, too? Yeah, I had a turbo in mine, and I owned it in 2001. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was a 99 Eagle Talon blacked out, you know, kind of <laughs> faded, just simple gray rims. But that freaking turbo allowed me to race yeah. 911s on the highway. Dang, we got all these all these random connections. (laughs) Jeez, you had an eagle talent. Yeah. Okay, but 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 when you got to twenty four, if you don't mind me asking, why why did that kind of solidify the moment for you? I mean, part of it was I was kind of late into the to the music scene, and people now are like, "That's that's crazy," because you go to concerts all the time. You're just obsessed with music. Um, But for I had not heard a ton of music at that time, as far as like collecting it. But when that song played. I was thinking like a band that could write what I'm feeling like faith-based music, but do it in such an incredible way with lyrics and meaning and just the sound of it, the how, like the singability, I don't know if that's a word, like be able to sing along to it. (laughs) And I mean, it just, I don't know. It was one of those moments, you know, some songs come on and the first time you hear it, you're just kind of frozen. And that's, that's what it was. I, I was, I was loving the whole album, but when 24 plays, I was like, that's it. They're my favorite band. They've been my favorite band ever since. Good God, man. 
Yeah. Um, and you got to know for me when I heard them, it was, I was like, I was digging deep into U2 Joshua Tree mm-hmm. and I was digging into Greatest Hits by Journey. And I was really sheltered um, the way that I was, I was adopted when I was five and my dad was a drill sergeant for the United States Marine Corps. Incredibly, incredibly amazing man, period. Greatest husband I've ever known or witnessed in my life. You know, I'm married, so I'm going to tell you, my dad was the greatest husband I've ever known. Hmm. He still is. Um, but you talk about the way I was raised at, by that soldier. We were only allowed to listen to country music and southern gospel during the weekdays. And that included Sunday. On Saturday, my mom would get a stack of records and she'd play the top 40 pop hits. She always updated her record playlist, but we would break out the records on a Saturday from the age, you know, I mean, from a little kid all the way to probably around, I was, I don't know, she maybe stopped doing it when I was maybe 13 or 14 years old. So I I had this all the way through childhood up to teenage years. Every Saturday, she would start off the afternoon with records and it would be Michael Jackson. It'd even be cool in the gang. We'll sell it. She always played celebrate good times. Come on. Even though it wasn't relevant, she just never missed that one. But she, she had the biggest country records, the biggest R and B records, pop records. She always had Michael Jackson and she always had cool in the gang. Those two artists made it into the lineup, no matter what the heck was hot (laughs) during that year. Uh, God bless my mom. But my dad, you know, and my mom were also, you know, they were devout Baptists. And so Southern gospel and or country music was the cleanest, purest place for them. Though on the weekends, on Saturday, Sundays, if we go to a cookout to other soldiers' house, Marines, I'd hear Hall and Oates. I'd hear the hottest of the hottest, but I'd have to sneak it. And by the age of nine, I started sneaking cool in the gang on a full-time level, thinking that they were like, you know, a brand new, vibrant, relevant band. Of course, I had no clue in the 80s, you know, in the, the mid 80s. Nah, those guys were from back in the day. But Long story short, um, it, it, was, it, it was the way that I was raised um, that when I turn back and I look at 24, I look at Switchfoot, um, the fact that by the time that I met up with who they were in 01, that I was listening to Joshua Tree, I was listening to Journey. Gosh, even uh, Will Within the Will, Will Within the Will keeps on turning. I'm messing up the melody. But, um, you know, from the 70s, Switchfoot took over for me. They were the bridge that brought Joshua Tree and Greatest Hits of Journey and made sense of it going into my present world. They made sense for me after that movie. So it's crazy to hear what, you know, that 24 solidified that moment. But once again, I was raised in the faith of Christ and I had my own experience with Christ. So that it meant so much to hear that song. It means so much even now today before this interview, I'm sitting here listening to 24 and, um, just reacquainting myself with the lyrics that I don't remember all the time because I'm a, I'm a sound guy. I get caught first by the sound and the melody before I ever get caught by the lyric or the concept. I just straight up get caught by sound first and then I get caught by melody. Then later I come back to maybe caring about the lyric and then also what was the concept. So yeah. I, everything's backwards for me as a writer, but with Switchfoot, I mean, you know the deal. Listen to 24. <laughs> that sound... Yeah. That melody, good God. And then the lyric, it's very rare that a song gets me with all four of those elements popping mm-hmm. off at once and the concept. Because I, yeah. I think of 24 elders in the book of Revelations. I, I can go deep on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of what the, the number 24 means. And you got to remember, if you're thinking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of a Christian, God loves numbers so much that he wrote a book about it. The book is called the book of numbers. It's in the yeah. Torah. It's in the Old Testament if you're American. Like, it's there's a book of numbers and two represents a witness four represents a gate. So there's so much that I get out of 24. It's not even funny, man. That's awesome. You mentioned the lyric, you're raising the dead in me. Just an incredible lyric. I like towards the end where he said, I wrestled the angel for more than a name. <laughs> and one of my favorite John Foreman quotes goes along with that. One time he said that Jacob wrestled God and then walked with a limp in many ways. I don't trust someone who doesn't walk with a limp. Uh, unpack that one for a minute <laughs> i mean <laughs> that dude that dude is deep man there, he, i'll be really real there's no way to approach 
probably the whole band switch foot, but there's no way to approach John Foreman unless you're ready for depth. Yeah. Because you're not going to the shallow part of the pool. If you approach John Foreman, you got to get ready to go deep. You got to get off the highest diving board and you got to go to the deepest part of the swimming pool because that's the only that's the only place to catch up with him. He's there. Yeah. See, and, and, I, and I really believe he's there 24-7 just from my small encounters without knowing him into too much detail, but knowing him as a friend and a confidant, a colleague, and somebody that was looking out for us coming up that never reached their level of mountaintop, this guy is just deep, period, 24-7. With John Foreman, you know, I grew up in the hood. So to hear him say that, that's all the hood is. It's oppression everywhere. It's people that walk with a limp 24-7. They ain't even trying to. They're not electing to do that. They're not doing it through faith. They got no choice but to do that. They walk yeah. with a limp, period, and it was put upon them without their desire. And by necessity, if they walk with it, it's because they made it out a survivor. Yeah. And so when I hear him say that, that means that John Foreman doesn't really, really trust a person who didn't survive something epic. Yeah. And, and that's, that's incredible because um, everybody in my band that I was able to assemble for Paper Tongues, we all walked with a limp then. We walk off a bigger one now because we're still here. We're still contending in faith and we're still contending for the sake of fans and people that love music to hear great songs. Yeah. And, and John Foreman is still doing that. Switchfoot is still doing it. I mean, good God, these guys are still on our airwaves. It's 2022 and Switchfoot is still available on the airwaves of this planet, not just America, yeah. international. They're everywhere. They're worldwide, still yeah. available, still driving on digital still driving on streaming, still driving on video, YouTube. They're so relevant, it makes no sense if you don't understand who they were in the beginning, but it makes perfect sense even if you hear them for the first time and you're getting hope, right? It's like if you try to go deep on John, you're not making any sense. If you just accept what you're hearing right now, it's hope. It makes perfect sense. And, yeah. and, and so for me, you know, if I were to unpack what he's saying, you know, Raising the dead again in me, that's why it got me. You're raising, because I had had so many things in my life die. So many dreams that didn't work. Uh, so many dreams that were never going to work. They were ridiculous dreams. I didn't have no business dreaming these dreams. So hearing that lyric, whoo, man, it reinstituted some stuff, dude, that needed resurrection. Yeah. Just period. And everybody needs a little bit of that. You, you, I don't care who people are. You run into a person and there's a piece of their life that deserves to have the institution of resurrection. Deserves it because we're human. Yeah. And, and, and the hard part is, is there's some filthy, rotten, horrible, dark souls. And all can think we may be a part of that at certain levels, but there are levels that just are of no return. But if you get down to the core of human existence, what we want for everyone, if we're in a balanced state, is we want everybody to get a chance to come back. Even, you know, it's funny, you know, America, this may be more popular, but even the inmate that's on death row is getting ready to be put to death. We're just hoping for him that he's going to make it to heaven. Did you get your life right, right before you, you're about to die. You're going to die. Or her, you're going to die. You're about to die. They're going to put the injection in you and it's over. And for those that you destroyed and ripped apart and shredded, we can't speak for them. But for all of us bystanders in America, we vote for the underdog. We're hoping that you corrected your crap. You corrected your mess. That you corrected the wrong that you did. And we want you to get a second chance, even though if you hurt us, we may not want you to. Isn't that crazy? So... I yeah. hear John Foreman saying that, what you quoted. Wow, man. Um, yeah, I would agree with him. I don't really, but I, I'll be honest with you. It's one thing to say I don't trust anybody who doesn't walk with a limp. I don't trust anybody who doesn't walk with a limp who can't be transparent and admit it. Yeah. If you can't admit that you walk with a limp, I definitely don't trust you. And yeah. if you can admit that you walk with a limp, because I do, I admit that myself. I'll give you the time and grace and space to try to figure out if the trust is worthy. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. He's talked about too, how um, it actually goes along with a song he's mentioned before in interviews that this song is about being the same person on and off stage to take away the 24 masks that we often wear. And he's, <laughs> he's also been quoted as saying like, I can, I can relate to someone's brokenness because I'm broken myself. 
And just, I think, you know, the walk with a limp thing is about like, if you've never, like Jacob, if you've never wrestled with your faith, if you've never wrestled with some, some deep things in life, you know, it's hard to, hard to trust. And as you say, if you're, if you're going to admit it and be transparent about it as well. So that's really good stuff. Wow. Wrestle the angel. Wow. I remember the first time I read that in the Bible, I couldn't believe it. You know? Yeah. It's amazing. You can get you can get caught up in the Bible, like watching the movie Never Ending Story. If you come from the '80s or the '90s, and watching that movie was epic. I remember the first time I saw Never Ending Story and Atreyu and all the characters in that movie. Um, when I read that about wrestling an angel, like what the heck was inside of Jacob? What possessed this dude to think that he had a chance? <laughs> like what was going on with people back in that time with no technology, no modern nothing? What was in that guy that made him think he had a chance in wrestling the angel? Yeah. And that the audacity. Oh, that's hope. Just the yeah. fact that we're capable of humans, beings, to be able to wrestle an angel, other world, other planet, beyond alien. Good God, man. Sounds Everything. like a uh, future song, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, so a lot, a lot of Switchfit fans know this, but about the song itself, John wrote the song the day before his 25th birthday, or at least finished it at that time. Um, it was also written, I believe, just after John had a skateboarding accident. He said he was trying to impress people, impress girls. and, and um, But he said about the song, um, I often share this on the show, when it first came out, uh, some of John's words. He said, I wrote this song near the end of my 24th year on this planet. Wherever we run, wherever the sun finds us when he rises, we remain stuck with ourselves. That can be overwhelming. Sometimes I feel like my soul is polluted with politicians, each with a different point of view, with all 24 of them in disagreement. Each voice is yelling to be heard. And so I'm divided against myself. I feel like I am a hypocrite until I am one. Then all the yelling inside of me dies down. I've heard that the truth will set you free. That's what I'm living for. Freedom of spirit. I find unity and peace and none of the diversions that this world offers, but I've seen glimpses of truth and that's where I want to run. Oh, let me just start in right there because I'm a lover of the truth and what it actually says. If I give the next part, he's just making a statement in an article, right? He's answering and or speaking to the existence of a song. Yeah. But here's what the scripture says. You will know the truth. And it doesn't end. And the truth will set you free. Set you free, yeah. So you must know it. You can hear that the truth can set you free, but you got to hear the whole sentence. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's almost like you could put then if you wanted to. If you didn't want to mess up or add or take away, just make it simple. Just add the word then, T-H-E-N. You will know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. But you got to know it. You know what it's like to know somebody? It's different to have a neighbor who just moved in six months ago, uh, 24 months ago, versus know a, a cousin that you've known for the 18 years of your life that you've been on planet Earth. You've known that cousin since you were a baby, since y'all both started talking, walking. Mm-hmm. Let's just say you and the cousin are the same age. You know that person. But somebody that just moved in 24, 36 months ago next door to your house, you don't know that person like you know your cousin. And if it takes a year, if it takes two, three, four, five, whatever it takes to know the person you're trying to know or you're getting to know or you want to know, you got to know truth like knowing a person. Yeah. You have to know truth. And that is the only time truth can set you free. It's the only time conviction sets in and the foundation of it. It just fills up the crevices and the cracks like mortar. You got to know truth. Once you know truth, now if truth is also Jesus to you, if truth is that person, then you know it, right? And that's when you see the most radical acts on planet earth. When people know the truth as a person, not just as a theory, as a statement, as a claim, as a proclamation, Mm -hmm. as a statement, they actually know truth like a person. It's a yeah. physical, moving, breathing being. That's how I know God. As yeah. crazy as that sounds, it almost feels sometimes to say it like that. It feels like I'm talking about an alien because I get it. Because I knew him one day before I knew him. The day before I knew him, I didn't know him. It didn't exist to me. Yeah. <laughs> but the day that I started knowing him, 
ain't nothing changed. It's only gotten deeper, bigger, better. And now it's been many years. And so for, to hear John say that, whoa, <laughs> once yeah. again, this dude is deep, right? I mean, you can read his quotes and I, I would love to read a book of John Foreman quotes from Switchfoot to, to hear a book of answers and or explanations of why this song, that song, this statement, that statement, this posture. But to know this, you said something I never knew. To know that he had had a hardcore skateboarding accident. Dude, this is crazy. I had a, it's actually online. I hate that it's there. So if you go to YouTube and you type in Aswan being stupid, I think that's what it's called. Aswan being, you'll see me going over 35 miles an hour on a skateboard and I have the worst wipeout I've ever had in my life. That's actually the first and last. I've never approached downhill racing since then. Um, that was at my mid twenties, around 24, 25 years old. And I've never known that story about 24 yeah. and John Foreman and the skateboarding accident. It, I, I didn't even know that he finished it before he turned 25. So God knows, man, there's a reason why I'm connected to this song. And I thank you. Yeah. Even more connections. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned too, you mentioned too earlier about how, um, global Switchfoot still is 25 years later. Um, this is just, you know, a fan run podcast and last check there's been over 30 there's people that have listened to this in over 30 countries it's just wild um, just to think about the influence and impact um, so it's pretty cool and I greatly appreciate you being a part of it um, I know this couple other notes about the song I, I don't know that the guys play it a whole lot live anymore they do it sometimes but um, when John does after shows he's off this is often in his set and if you look online and type in Switchfoot covers by fans, this might be the most covered Switchfoot song, inviting chorus, the meaning behind it, make it a fan favorite. Definitely up there. Maybe Dare You to Move, maybe Only Hope, but I think 24 is up there for most covered. I honestly never knew it. You know, um, I'm so glad that you know that information because I would have never known. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and it makes sense, though. Um I feel like when, you know, he actually gave me a lot of inspiration on how we're designing this next tour. Because like I told you, Paper Tongues is about to go back out. And I'm in agreements with some major distributors and obviously major label record labels that everybody in the world knows. And um, it's just, it's, it's all right. I want to be where they are. If, if they're at Walmart, if they're at Target, if they're at Best Buy, if they're at Circle K, if they're at Racetrack, Quick Trip, I don't care. If they're there, that's where I'm going to be. And... um Switchfoot has a model that blew me away on tour. I didn't even know it existed, but I remember that first night we opened for them. Um, we finished the show, go backstage, clean off, come back out and get ready for them. They come out, they kill it, smash the show. It's incredible. Genius sound, man. My God, their production team was insanity. Their tour management, above bar, the best of the best people on their crew, period. Their whole organization is flawless. And then the show's over. And all of a sudden, they invite people to come to this after party. People that had, I don't know if they paid tickets. I don't know if they bought them. I don't know how the heck they did it. But they sent out the reminder, you know, at yada yada, such a place. Uh, this is where Switchfoot is going to be doing an after party acoustic show. And John would get up and do a full-on acoustic after party. And um, it's part of the inspiration of who we are today. Yeah. And we're, we're testing stuff undercover, kind of keeping it very secretive right now because we're not touring yet, but we're getting ready. Um, but the way that he did that and the way that he gave back, I mean, could you imagine playing an hour and a half, two and a half hour show with all your greatest hits? You've sold four million records. You've got a packed venue. You're sweating down to your tennis shoes between your toe cracks. And then you end the show with like three encores. You go backstage, <laughs> you get rid of all your nasty, wetty clothes. You ain't got a shower in the venue because you're somewhere in the middle of nowhere in America. You use wipes to clean off, put on a fresh outfit, take your acoustic guitar, run two blocks across town, get set up in a venue that's ready to go, and now you do another hour and a half set on acoustic. That's Switchfoot, bro. They're relentless. Yeah. They've always changing. really been there. Yeah, they, they've yeah. always really been there for the fans. They've all, I, Honestly, I say it like this when I'm talking to my kids. They've just always really been there for us. Love it. I, I'm just so thrilled, too. I, I had no idea you guys were still working on stuff, so I can't wait. I'm going to be first in line for anything that comes out by Paper Tongues, and I appreciate just taking the time, um, sharing about your history with the guys, what 24 means to you, and 
I just, I can't wait to see what's next. And you'll know this with me at Alternative Rock Radio, my whole career, I get on a plane before my music would come out, any song, a single, an EP, an album, and I would go ask all the top folks at radio that I could find, and most of them in Alternative Rock, real music fans. And I would say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm getting ready to release it. I want to know your honest opinion. I'm putting money behind it. It's not like I was asking them for permission, but I was asking them for their best educated opinion on how they felt about what we had done. Did we give enough of ourselves to the, the, the fans? Did we give enough of ourselves to the song? Have we paid the price and quality? Did we make the arrangement right? And so I'll send you the songs that way. I want you to listen to everything and tell us what you think. And um, God, man, we've got too many songs ready to go and we're in the middle of decision and they're all demoed. And now we've got a finalized production. So I'd love to hear your unadulterated, like honest opinion on where you, what yeah. you feel and what you think. Sounds like a plan. Can't wait. Right on, man. Thanks a ton. And um, yeah, anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off for the day? Oh man, honestly, just real simple. Um, there's a cross that we can all choose to bear in this life. And John Foreman and Switchfoot as a whole, from his brother over to the drummer, the guitar player, bass player. <laughs> I'm, I'm naming his family too. Uh, his piano player to the producers in the studio that have worked with them and labored to the folks that make sure it reaches radio. I'm just grateful that this work of art touched my life back in 2001 to the present. Um, I'm grateful that they've picked up their cross constantly. It's not an easy thing to do. It's the narrow road. It's the road less traveled. It's uncharted waters. I, I guess the best way that I would say it for this new upcoming generation where my kids live, these guys have been surfing uncharted waters for years and they've been doing it switch foot. And I'm grateful that you involved me and I'm humbled.